Hey guys, hey, it's Kelly Kalor and Ben Simone, and we are here today on my podcast called Hey Guys, Hey with Nick Wooster. Nick, nice to see you. Thank you for coming over. Thank you, Kelly. So before we started the podcast, you guys, you're probably going to see on my Instagram that Nick and I were outside taking photos, and then I got some cherry blossoms from my building, and so Nick helped me put my cherry blossoms in a gorgeous vase. So from fashion to cherry blossoms, we had a really good start to the podcast. Did we have fun? We did. <laughs> did you have a lot of fun? I did. Florals <laughs> for spring, groundbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> Florals for spring. That's hilarious. That's fashion talk, you guys. We we, we speak in fashionese, Nick and I. Um, I have a couple of questions for you today. And then I actually, you guys can't see us today, but I gave Nick his own pad and his own pad pen in case he has something that he wants to ask me. Um, but it's really, I want to know everything Nick Booster. So let's talk about the Midwest. We're both from the Midwest. I'm from Illinois. You're from Kansas. So tell me what that was like growing up for you. You know, it was completely the middle. Like we were not rich and we were not poor. We were just like, it was, and th that's the problem. It's very uninteresting to someone like me. I mean, and when you're a gay kid in Salina, Kansas in the 60s and 70s, you under I understood immediately that I had to get out. So childhood for me was marking time. Like, wow. Ready to go. Yeah. But it wasn't bad. Right. But just marking time. And, you know, how was that growing up being gay? Did you come out early or? No. I mean, no. I was in a fraternity in college because, again, I knew from the time I was five years old that I was different. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't know that there were other people like me. I didn't know that it could actually ultimately be okay. Right. So I kind of devised a plan. Okay, I've got to move to a big city. And New York seemed the most interesting and the most glamorous. So I chose that. Also, I didn't have to drive. <laughs> because <laughs> you could take you know, a drinking and driving right. was, is not a good combination. But um, I, I, I figured I would have a secret life. Like, as I would probably marry some woman. I mean, I think if I had been 10 years older, Right. That might have been true. Right. But I feel like being born in 1960 was exactly the dawn of a different time. And right. I think that we kind of, I kind of, you know, was able to enjoy the benefits of like a new life. I mean, it was like, okay. You know, it, I mean, so I was 22 when I came out. I right. had graduated from college and I moved to New York. And as soon as I did that, I did EST training. You know that Warner Earhart seminar oh, thing? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, I mean, S. I don't know a lot about it, but okay. <laughs> so, and why did and you take? Why did you do S? Because I worked in advertising, and that's what I mean. Everyone from Condé Nast was doing it. It was like a big fashion. Keisha Kibble, Pocavaco, John Duca, oh, they were all in, involved yeah. in it. So it just was a thing. But literally, the woman that I worked for in my very first job said, oh, I'm going to the seminar tonight. This is on my second day of work. She's like, you should come with me. And it was to hear Warner Earhart, Earhart speak. And it was to do, you know, to sign up people to take the training as they called it. Right. So I did it. So tell us a little bit for those viewers that don't know what, what EST is, tell us a little bit about what that is. So now it's called the Landmark Forum. It's the same thing. Okay. Basically, it's a seminar where they kind of break you down or they do a series of exercises to sort of break you down and to sort of get at the truth 
of something, maybe who you are, what you want to be, what your dreams might be. And then they kind of give you, I would say, tools to be able to to do that. I tried Landmark. I did it for for a long weekend after I was on Housewives. Right. Um, Just because I, you know, I just was had so many meet people being so incredibly mean to me. Right. And so a friend of mine was like, you should try this and kind of see, you know, what it is, why people are perceiving you in this strange way. And um, they said to me that they said that the reason that I come across as like overly confident is because I'm insecure. Which is exactly me and, with fashion. Right. But So that's crazy. So you were, in, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but. So, you know, I, I sort of, for me, the deal was that I knew that I was gay, but I had no language or no ability to be able to say that I am, you know, right. like I, I couldn't admit that it was the most shameful thing that I, you know, could think of. Right. So what year, let's, let's just so give a timeline. So March, what, 1983. 1983. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I moved to New York in January of 1983 and, um, you know, what an incredible time too. I feel like I got on the tail end of everything. Yeah. Um, you know, what was New York like in March, 1983? I mean, everyone talks about amazing. It. Yeah. You know, in that it was, Okay, so like clubs, you know, there was no such thing as table service, a VIP room. Right. The whole thing was VIP. Right. And, and you know, if you were young and cute, which you were, I was. And okay, viewers. Um, so Nick has the cutest dimple on the planet. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. I'm. I'm this is not not trying to like you know say anything that's discriminating, but he does a really cute dimple. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, but you know, and and we weren't afraid to like wear something weird, like in my case, like a skirt and a, you know, and, and combat boots and so cute. And we showed up and they let us in. And that was the thing. It was very, very Anglomania of you. <laughs> <laughs> Men in kilts. Love it. Um, and it was, you know, it was like everybody could and did mix, you know, there was literally Andy Warhol, Bianca Jagger, you know, Keith Haring, Jean-Michel Basquiat. You would see artists, you would see, celebrities, you would see, Matt Dillon, you know, you would see, um, I mean, students and then beautiful people and like bankers. I mean, it wasn't, there wasn't like a segmented thing. Right. It was mixed. And of right. course it was gay and straight. And, and that idea was kind of the first time I sort of understood that like, oh, wow, it's okay to just be like you, you did know, you go to matter. studio 54 with like Halston and see I missed all that you missed like, all that because I mean obviously I went to studio 54 but it was like an iteration later I mean right they didn't own it and it wasn't the same right the same thing but I did you know I wasn't the space. no Bianca Jagger no white horses no <laughs> no but that but that was area. how hot was that though seriously oh my god amazing <laughs> I mean I want to do that for my birthday I want like long extensions bathing suit white horse I'm like hi guys it's just me um yeah okay so, so but the, but so that's what so this is more of like a mark jacobs era and like anna sui or is that a little is that still too early maybe even a little before right I and mean, i think mark's a couple years younger than i am yeah i mean he probably was there i didn't right. know him in those right. days right um ed filipowski was my first friend Ed Phil- <laughs> oh my he was, and we used to go to area together oh my gosh um, oh my so, gosh you know, Wait, where was area? Because I just I love when people like know where Hudson. 
Street. Okay, so Hudson like in and okay, right below right below Canal. Okay, Hudson right below like near like DeBrosa Street, it's, like right exa- there. It was literally there. Okay, cool. Yeah. So now where where the Soul Cycle is today, <laughs> it was area. Okay, right. I just like people to like to have a frame of reference of That's where right. things are. Um, let's talk about this concept of wanting to wear what the rich kids wore. I think that because I'm like, wait a minute. You have such incredible style. You guys keep walking in with these awesome vans, black and white check, which are my favorite. I actually have a pair against my daughter as well. He's got these sick, uh, what are they? they, Yoji. Yeah. I'm like over the top Yoji pants that are like um, uncuffed and frayed at the ends. Kind of a skirt. It's kind of, yeah, it's like a, it's like a, yeah, it's like a pant skirt. Like a, it's got a, it's like a port. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's like a port. Um, and then he's wearing this really chic um black t-shirt, arms are fully tatted, great haircut, nice smile, and a great uh was it the the jack is Yoji too? No, it's a woman named Elena Dawson. Okay, it's Elena Dawson. It's a very, very cool outfit. I'm like, I'm in all white with jeans on. I'm kind of like, maybe I should change. <laughs> no, it's perfect. It's gonna be a good picture outside. I know. I'm excited. And who knew? Like- I, I know exactly. I'm like, oh, I just came from lunch. She's I'm like, in all white. I'm in all black. <laughs> I know. It's fun. Good vibe. So let's talk about this idea, this concept of what the rich kids wore or wear, because this is something that is was important back then, but now it's like really something that everyone is talking about. Well, so this is what the, this is what the rich kid wore at Salina Central High School with yeah. a navy cashmere sweater. Right. That's what I wanted. Right. And my mom said, I'm happy to buy you sweaters, yeah. but they're not going to be cashmere. If you want cashmere, work for it. Oh, I love her though. No, I mean, my that mom. ethic. I love that. That's the Midwestern value. Love. That's that's why I work in fashion. Hi, mom. <laughs> I know she's in heaven. Oh, I love um, you. Hi, mom in heaven. But she, you know, but I'm so grateful to her for that because it's actually the perfect thing to say to a kid. I mean, I'm not a parent and I could never even begin to imagine what it would be like to be a parent. But I do feel like if you have everything given to you at an early age, does that give you any incentive or any, you know, inspiration to do something? And, and in my case, it, it was the driver, like right. the driving force. So, because like I said, we were neither rich nor poor. We were just firmly in the middle. So it wasn't like my parents talked about not having money to do things. Right. They had money to do things that they felt were appropriate. Right. And so, I mean, I got, by the way, I got none of my dad's, my parents' financial acumen. <laughs> That's for later. But, you know, but the, so anyway, I went to the nicest clothing store in town. I put on a suit and I went there and said, do you guys need any help on the weekends or the evenings? And they said, yes. And so you learned fashion that way. And and so this this owner, Charlie Roth. What was the name of the store? Joseph P. Roth and Sons Clothiers. Okay, it was like in a, Kansas. In Salina, Kansas. In Salina, Kansas. Okay, you I know, love it was that. It like every town had sort of the nicest store in town. Right. This was that. Beautiful. You know, they had men's and women's. And it was... Um, and it was all classic. I mean, it was super right. preppy, super classic. This is the, you know, the days of the preppy handbook, basically. But this was 1976. I was 16 years old. And basically, I would go to school, public school, and, you know, wear regular clothes. And I had a Volkswagen. And in the back of my car, I would bring a suit every day. And then I would change in the bathroom of the store, put on a suit. And then I would clean the bathroom. I would deliver packages. Occasionally, they would let me help people, like, wait on them. But after a couple of, like after a year, Charlie sort of, I mean, 
he clearly understood that I was different. And he, you know, one day he said, can you make, can you dress that mannequin for me? And I was like, sure. Yeah. And so like I put together an outfit and he was like, what was the outfit? You know, it was a suit. Okay. But I knew how to tie a tie and make it look. Which kind of tie knot did you do? Foreign hand. Oh, just the classic love, but that's hard. How many guys know how to tie a tie? Give me a percentage. Well, 1%. Probably, no, but I mean, you know. But, <laughs> Guys don't know how to tie ties. I mean, They're is, always asking me. I'm like, what do I want? Well, get this. I mean, from the time I was 16 years old, from 1976 until 1993, when I went to work at Calvin Klein, every job that I ever had, and I worked constantly through college. I mean, I worked at a clothing store, but it wasn't, I mean, I right. didn't work because I needed to. I worked because I would either, <laughs> you know, whip it up my nose to buy cocaine or to buy clothes. Right. And I spent all my money on that. Right. Okay. But, well. But every job I ever had, advertising and then eventually becoming a buyer, always had to wear a suit and tie. Right. When I started to work at Calvin Klein in 1993, we didn't have to wear a tie. And oh it was gosh. like a revelation. <laughs> so... You know, and and the thing is that that's kind of how it was, you know, like kids don't wear ties. Like nobody wears ties. I mean, I don't wear ties. I don't think I've worn a tie in maybe four or five years. And it's too bad. Calvin made men cool, though. Oh yeah, Calvin I mean, really made men cool. I mean, first of all, he was—he is such an incredible man. I mean, I love him. He's done so many beautiful things for me. I can't yeah. even like. Everyone's always like, "Who is the most incredible person in fashion that you've ever worked with and helped? That's helped you." And he was—it's him. I mean, he just—he's he's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful man. He is, and he has exquisite taste beyond, beyond. You know, I worked for both Calvin and Ralph, and in both of those instances, I mean, they're two completely different people, and I'm not going to say, you know, anything good or bad. I mean, anything yeah. bad about either one, but, like, the, there is there is a world of difference between the two, and they both have had points, very strong points of view. Which I but love. Calvin has exquisite taste, like, right. really sophisticated taste. And, like, maverick, pioneer, game changer kind of taste. Think about all of the things mm-hmm. that he did, you know, underwear jeans what about the architecture fragrance. what about the under i mean the the architecture of his homes i mean i'm just like well, i mean from I, down to like the floorboards they had to be a certain way i mean he just had a credible so i got to work in retail yeah and what i got to do was work with john pawson and then rick rector who is the president of retail and calvin on designing that calvin klein store on madison avenue no how incredible was that oh my gosh and believe me it <laughs> oh was it was wow. an amazing experience. I mean, I learned so much from John Pawson, who right. had never done a store before, but it didn't matter because right. he was. For the listeners that don't know who John Pawson is, can you just give us like a couple of sentences on him? He's the architect that is like the architect of record of, of minimalism. But to but to say that I may sound dismissive. He's one of the most intelligent, you know, incredibly well-read, and, you know, and thoughtful architects in the world because for him, it's not, it's like, it's hard to do that. You know, right. you have to Everybody really... talks about minimalism. It's like, oh, keep it simple. But people, people are like, what does that mean? I remember when I was at L, people were like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, it means like the right t-shirt. They're like, well, what do you, how do you get the right t-shirt? And so like, and that translates to architecture. People are like, well, this is modern. No, no, but modern gets translated over and over and over again in different ways and it keeps pivoting. And so like what was modern 10 years ago is not modern today. So it's like, you know, it's, it is fascinating how these guys are so ahead of the curve and how they, how they have that vision 
well, of and- like cement floors or, you know, whatever it is, or, you know, the idea of like an all white room. I mean, just like these, you know, things that we didn't see before. Well, and, and the knowledge of the, it, the knowledge that it takes to be able to do that, because to be able to understand materials and again, both architecture and Calvin for clothes, it's not just about finding plane or cut mm-hmm. or cutting, you know, taking something away. It's about starting from zero and making it a hundred. Right. And it's really a, it's a very difficult thing to do. I mean, Calvin talks about that or he's all, he had talked about that, especially in the nineties. And I don't profess to understand his head, but you know, but it, I can tell you that it's a very difficult thing. It's not easy. That they, is so cool. They make it look easy. It's not easy. So my favorite story about Calvin, I have so many stories. I mean, when I was at Alex Accessories, he just was like, you, he's like, Kelly, he's like, don't let anyone tell you what to do. He's like, you're smart. He's like, you've paved the way you've you know, worked for Hamptons. You've done all these issues. You've done all this work. He's like, just do what you want. And so I did. And people were like, you can't do that. And I was just like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Um, and then when I got pregnant with my oldest daughter, you know, I'm 5'10", and I started gaining some, you know, some people like they are skinny and they get big boobs and their arms are like sticks. And like for my first daughter, I was so sick, but I started gaining a tremendous amount of weight in a short period of time. And, you know, everyone was like, oh, what's wrong with Kelly? And Mike's husband was like, she's pregnant. Everyone's like, she's fat. And like, I mean, it was a very, it was difficult to be a model, always worried about your weight. Then, you know, you're married to a well-known photographer who's around these beautiful women all the time. And everyone's kind of looking at you. They're like, when, you know, they, when people like don't like to come out and tell they're pregnant until they're four months. So they actually have a bump, but I was like out doing what I was supposed to be doing with my ex-husband. And I was just looking fat. And so I, one day I went into Calvin's office. He was like, come in, I want to talk to you. And it was the day that he did the campaign with the young, uh, the kids with the, the kids. Right, right. And I was in his office crying about like, you know, how am I supposed to navigate this? You tell me to go for, you know, go for it. But I don't know what understand with how I'm supposed to deal with it, this new chapter of my life and my hormones are everywhere. And I'm crying on his shoulder. Meanwhile, he's like, Kelly, we have to leave the back entrance and because I have a car waiting. So we have to actually leave. And I'm just like, this is the biggest moment in his life that could have been like, either way. I mean, it could have been like, you know, really, really bad. Or I mean, fortunately it was really, really great for him because he's a marketing genius. But um, yeah, I mean, he made the most beautiful, beautiful clothes for me, but I'll never forget Then he was, all he was worried about was like me and how I was feeling when he like had to leave the building. <laughs> a short, long story longer, we left the building, but <laughs> you know, I wiped my eyes and we left, but um, no, but he's just a really special person again. Like, but that's so cool. All right. So we were at Calvin and we're, you know, creating all these incredible storefronts and creating all this incredible aesthetic. Um, we work. So when you worked for Ralph, what were you doing at Ralph? So I got recruited to work at Ralph to work in design, to work on the men's concept team, which basically, again, I don't mean to undersell or to you know diminish what that job is because it's actually a really, a really interesting and difficult job. But basically, you're creating the environments or the the sort of mise en scene that can inspire Ralph or inspire the rest of the company yeah. to be able to understand what is going to happen in the next season. So basically, yeah. it's a kind of and again, I'm, this does not you know, diminish what the job is. It's a kind of shopping, window dressing, editing, styling. It's an environment kind of job. And yeah, and you do you create these 
environments and you and from that the entire company basically takes its marching orders as to what's going to happen and it's it's difficult it's like again you could look at a wall and say oh i could do that like it's just maybe like 10 outfits pegged to a wall with maybe some inspiration pictures and some other maybe accessories props yeah it's not easy no. and it's not easy to do it for someone like ralph who's been doing this for now 50 over 50 years and his aesthetic is so fine-tuned. It's his aesthetic is tailored. Does that make sense? It's just so fine. It's just so fine. It's and you know, and it's encyclopedic in yeah. that it's a very big world. And you know, a lot of people accuse Ralph of it always being the same. And in a way, it okay, maybe it is, you know, unlike Prada, which you know really tries to explore something different each season, Ralph, the world of Ralph. But, but what's so, again, amazing about like that world is he, yes, he's seen it all. And yes, in a way it's kind of the same, but you've got to make it new. But it's a rite of passage. I mean, I remember Midwest, Rockford, Illinois, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. I wore Madras shorts and a polo shirt. I came to New York when I was a model. I was wearing a white, a Fred Perry t-shirt a pub button down shirt and white shorts and white tree torrents. The first day I met Patrick DeMarchelier and he was like, who is this girl? Right. Like, cause I just looked totally different than anyone else. And, um, like that kind of, it, you know, it was a rite of passage for people, like whether or not, whether I had come from the nicest family or, you know, a, you know, middle-class family, like the fact that I was wearing that outfit was like, this, this girl's from somewhere this she's there's something here right. and i think that's one something that really translates for for ralph as well even today when you see someone in one of his cable sweaters and a pair of jeans and a pair of loafers the look is just like it, it, it just like very eye-catching and that it's it's not that it's so appeasing it's just like there's a rite of passage you know that that person understands an aesthetic and the you know a certain lifestyle i guess yeah. And again, I think that what Ralph does for you is he kind of gives you some historical context. I mean, right. it's like, yeah, a cable knit sweater has been around. You could say it's, you know, it's like something from England. It's something from, you know, New England, like a prep school. Yet he kind of helps make it seem like it can work for you. Right. And so, and the, again, the, the, and what also really Ralph did too as you know, like Calvin, the two were really arm in arm or, you know, neck and neck and the ability to tell stories visually. And they really, and then that's of course the importance of magazines and, um, and how powerful imagery was and the, the ability to sort of transport you to a world. And I think Calvin and Ralph did it in completely different ways, but equally powerfully. I just want to ask you a specific question. What is a design director? So, you know, so in the hierarchy of like a, a corporation, you know, you're going to have like CK or RL. Right. Then there's probably a senior vice president, maybe creative director, maybe. And then there are a series of design directors and there might be a design director for each kind of business, purple label, black label, double RL. And it's those people who sort of like work on a particular brand, pull a sport or something 
And I worked, I did, I worked on a series of different projects in that capacity. Oh my gosh. I have to ask you a question. Do you have, did you ever buy the cable knit sweater? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they gave you one at some point. They're no. like, here, Nick, just take the sweater. Just take the sweater. You know, in, in the case of both Ralph and Calvin, I mean, what's so amazing about, well, no, part of the reason that I've always wanted to work in fashion, I've always said this, I'm in it for the clothes. Right. So, <laughs> you know, when I was a retail buyer at Barney's and at Bergdorf's before all of this, I, it was all about the discount, you know, but I, and in those days, nobody got anything for free. Right. It wasn't like, there wasn't a lot of gifting or at least in my, you know, where I sat, there right. wasn't a lot of gifting. There wasn't gifting. In fact, you could get fired in those days because it's like considered taking, you know. Wait, I have to interrupt you. That is actually something that um, when I was at L, uh, when I was at Hamptons and Gotham and L, I was doing all those magazines at the same time. Um, and, you know, when you're, when you're responsible for, you know, three magazines, it's probably, you know, and like how many, so it's, it was, you know, 40, 40 magazines a year that I was responsible for, um, you know, as editor of editor in chief, I started L accessories. Um, I was the fashion director at Gotham and started Gotham. And then I was the fashion director at Hamptons. So, but you know, the whole thing about gifting was something that because I was married to my ex-husband, I just was had like a hard stop on gifting. Right. And the other editors were freaking out because the minute I got there, you know, here I am, she's a model, she went to Columbia, who does she think she is? And I'm like, listen, no, I don't accept anything. And um, I was like, if you want to give me a discount, that's fine. Right. Um, you know, like special things like for my daughter's birthday or something like that, that is fine. But like the gifting of these like crazy extravagant gifts, like I just was like, no to. And um, I'll never forget Angela Masoni saying to me, um, you know, I just really appreciate you for that. And I mean, even Calvin made you know, these clothes. I mean, I, I paid for them. So um, I was really always really adamant against that. Right. Um, I mean, I did go into Jean Godfrey June's beauty closet and steal, well, not steal, but I she was giving me all of her beauty products when I was crying. I was like, I don't know what I'm, what's going on. She was like, here, have a nail polish. You'll feel better. I'm like, yes. <laughs> um, Hilarious. Anyway, so... Um, yeah, but you were in it for the clothes. I was in it for the clothes. And, you know, obviously the world's a different place, but, you know, but I, so yes, I was in it for the clothes and I was in it for the discount. And certainly I, they made it very attractive at both Ralph and Calvin to, you know, you basically got half of wholesale. That's really good. You know, it's really good. Um, That's amazing. It's like basically getting 75% off retail. Let's go back there. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I'll be your assistant. Uh, uh, <laughs> But, you can dress me. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I mean, it's just the the amount of things that I've that have passed through my hands because of course this is maybe a topic for another discussion, but like I've spent, you know, instead of real estate, I've spent it all on clothes. Like that's my 401k plan. Like it's really embarrassing. Well, it's actually not embarrassing. I mean, I think that everybody has you know, their lifestyle and, you know, what's important to them. And, you know, who's to say that, you know, I mean, it's nice to be prepared and it's nice to have, and you can be prepared any time of your life. I mean, you can, you know, start to change that financial, right. uh, you can pivot that that way anytime. I mean, all you have to do is just start putting a hundred dollars away a week or a month and you can actually start to build that, build that wealth on your own. So that's a decision that you just have to make. But I don't agree with people that say like, oh, um, you have to do this because you have to prepare for that. At the end of the day, Nick, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't. And, yeah. you know, as, you know, fiscally responsible I am for my kids, I also, like, I've spent so many years not 
you know, doing like not treating myself. And like this past year, I've done very well. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy those jeans because I really like that. And I'm going to do this. And like, I've always just been the person that's like, okay, I'll just, you know, wear this in a different way or I'll figure it out. And I always, I have like, I have such a uniform the way I dress, but I appreciate that you, you know, have this massive love for fashion. You know, it's like an artist. What are you going to do? Be like, oh, you know, so you were a great artist and you weren't planning on things. So that's too bad for you. I mean, no, you can always, you know, change that trajectory and figure it out. So. We can I talk about that so. another, time. another time. Yeah. No, but, but I mean, I do appreciate that. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with living your life to the fullest. Well, and when it comes to clothes, I just feel like I, it's my job now. You know, that's part right. of like who I am. I mean, if I'm going to, you know, work with people, if I'm going to, you know, help mentor young people, I should be interested in the subject. And right. so, and I can still say that after almost, you know, 30, I don't know, eight years, 37 years of working in this business, not counting high school and college, I, I, I still do. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so now I know that you went to rehab. We've, we've, I've read that. Is, is that, did. can we talk about you being sober and kind of, yeah. I mean, why, why you decided to make that big change? <laughs> you know, everybody comes, comes at it and comes to it in different ways, but uh, I was ready. I mean, I, I knew from the, I started drinking when I was 13, 14 and I said, it's crazy. I have nephews that age and I can't even imagine them doing that. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But the point is, is that, um, I'm so grateful to drugs and alcohol because it was the first time when I started drinking at 14, like I said, being a gay kid in Kansas, that I actually started to feel okay about myself. So in that way, I'm super grateful. So you were kind of like self-medicating because it made you feel good. Absolutely. Oh, it's a super common thing. Like, I know. You know, I know. And, I've and heard gay it so many people times. aren't the only ones that have this issue. No, I, mean, I know, but I just appreciate that. I'm, you know. But I, totally. If yeah. I had been your friend in high school, I would have been like, Nick, let's hang out. <laughs> Come on, let's get. So I'm just going to ask you a couple more questions and then we're done because I've lived, I could literally talk to you for hours. Um, I just am so impressed by you in so many ways. Um, so street style and Instagram. So you've worked for Ralph. You've worked for Calvin. You've worked for John Bartlett. You've worked for Jeffries. I mean, you've worked for Splendid. I mean, there's, you've worked for so many people in this industry. And then now you are an Instagram phenomenon with over how many? 826,000 followers? 27 today. <laughs> 827,000 followers. Not and it's I'm, not, not that I'm counting. And it's not an easy feat. I mean, Instagram is not an easy social media platform for people to like A, gain followers and E, to like master. Well, so, you know, this may take a minute. So, you know, here's the thing. In those years that I couldn't get arrested in that 2004 that we were talking about me working at Barney's, I got through the end of my 40s through 2009 and in 2010 when I be when I was 50 and I really thought it was because all right fashion's a young person's game I'm aging out you don't whatever. look your age at all you have beautiful skin you have like no pores I'm 60 yeah, so, you have like no pores it's unbelievable you. so 10 years ago and he actually lives in this building so 10 years ago I literally got this job to be the men's fashion director at Neiman Marcus and Bergdorf Goodman which was like a dream that I had always wanted to have and I left Los Angeles and because I was living in LA at the time and I landed in Milan. And on the first day of the shows, which was my first day of work, Scott Schumann Scott. and Tommy Ton both took my picture. Oh my God, I love Scott. And that started this thing that has allowed me to have, you know, the audience that I have and, and these followers. But 
And it's so crazy because now for 10 years, like the last 10 years, my fifties have been documented, well-documented on, on social media. And it was, it's not what I ever thought for myself. Right. I, I didn't want to be in front of a camera or, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I just wanted to work. Like right. I liked working on collections, you know, designing, creative directing, helping stores buy clothes. You know, that's what I want to do. That's right. still what I want to do. Right. Thank God for Instagram because that's what's kept me, you know, <laughs> clothed, housed and fed this past year. Amazing. So Amazing. I'm super lucky. I love Scott too. He took a photo of me um, when I was at L Accessories and it, I'll never forget, like I was coming out of a Calvin show and um, he took this photo of me. He was like, can I, and he didn't take the photo. He said to me, Kelly, is it okay if I take your photo? This is way before right, Instagram right, or anything right. else. And I was just like, oh, of course you can take my photo. Thank you for asking, actually. <laughs> right, right. Um, I mean, you know, I was on a TV. I mean, I was just like an editor behind the scenes. And um, and I'd retired from modeling. So, people, you know, I was just, I was, you know, a worker bee. And um, when he asked me, and I was just, it was such a great photo. And everyone is like, oh, my God, that's such an amazing photo. I see Scott all the time. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in workout clothes. Scott's going to be like, oh, my God, there's Kelly again. Like, oh, my God, oh, gosh. Like, why can't he see me when I'm looking really great? Like, it never <laughs> like, happens that way. <laughs> never, never. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I, you know, when he goes to the gym, he looks so good. I'm just like, this is just not fair. This is not fair. But I'm so excited for you. So give us a couple of, I'm going to, this is it, because I know you have to go. But give me. In, give me two tricks that you use for Instagram that can help uh, the followers and the listeners today use, you know, use that to maximize on their, their own Instagram. You know, I'm really the wrong person to ask and because I seriously have no idea. But what I would say is that if it's really authentic, if you really believe in something and it's 100% you and it's not manufactured, I guarantee you people can see through that and can see that. And, right. and that's how it organically builds. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I would just say is always wear one color. Yeah. And then you like look better in pictures. Right. I get the paparazzi, they scream and yell. They're like, you're not wearing color. I'm like, I am a black and white kind of person. I wear, I wear a lot of dresses, as you know, I'm always in like floral dresses or something super femme. Um, but I'm trying to like change that up. I'm trying to like wear like more blazers and you look um, so great. thank you. Thank so you. Um, but I appreciate that. Like one color, wear one color. Well, just because it, this is for guys, especially cause like so many men are always like, you know, I, I think business casuals will like killed men you know they, because oh my god the, the, the casual friday just, right, i think they got the panic casualty friday right. it's like the worst but the thing is it's like they they equate come they equate not not wearing a tailored suit with beachwear or you know loungewear and it's like no 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 you know a navy cashmere sweater and a pair of dark jeans or navy cashmere sweater and navy pants or a gray cashmere sweater and gray flannel pants right. or you know gray sweater and chinos is like the easiest, chicest thing in the world. And you always look good. So black, gray, and Navy. Navy. You should just stay with that. Exactly. Yeah. If you want to splash out military green. Right. Ooh, black, <laughs> gray, Navy, military green. I love that. See, I mean, see you telling us, you know, you know. Um, because then any color looks good off of those. So now what's your last you know, words of advice to all of those viewers that are like, I'm not worth it. I can't do it. No one's going to ever see me because I don't see myself. Like what, are, what kind of, do you have any advice for those, for those listeners? So this is an AA thing. This is not me, but I love it. Don't quit before the miracle. 
Don't quit before the miracle. I love that. Just keep working. You know, it's interesting because people are always like, oh, you know, well, you make everything look really easy. I'm like, oh, oh hello. I was modeling. I was getting educated, educated magazines, raising kids by myself on my own, educated again, reinventing myself, writing books. I mean, I haven't been, you know, I've, I was, I've been fortunate not, enough to have like this Midwestern drive, but you know, it isn't, it, I've never just like sat there and been like, I can't do this. I'm just never going to be big, big, good enough. And I never also thought if I'm not the boss, I'm not going to try and do it. Right. Like, I'm always like, I will keep working, keep working, keep working and, you know, see what happens. Keep myself open to possibility. Wait for the miracle. Don't quit before the miracle. Don't quit before the because, miracle. You know, because you just never know. So yeah. like, just keep working. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, you guys. So Nick Wooster, at Nick Wooster on Instagram, 827,000 <laughs> followers. I am Kelly Kalorn-Bensimone with Hey Guys Hey. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, Nick. Thank you, Kelly.